0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by New Jersey resident and hunter Luke Gunther. Luke is a perfect example of a guy who was bit by the western hunting bug years ago and went all in on making it happen. We discuss his first western hunt, solo hunting, first successful elk hunt, backpack hunting, gear selection, the pros and cons of flying versus driving to hunts, and just about anything else related to going from east to west. 100% Anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. To send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here. Then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week comes from Bronson Edwards. And Bronson wrote in, my 2021 deer season was one I'll never forget. After running a bunch of cameras on a hillside in New York, I was able to capture dozens of pictures of an eight point throughout October and early November. I was able to shoot this buck around 1030 on the opening morning of rifle season while he was following a doe. Just 16 days later, I was heading into public land in Pennsylvania to try and fill another tag with my dad. Thanks to the rain and fog, we could sneak within 100 yards of my biggest buck to date while he was pushing around a group of does. I appreciate all the content you provide through the podcast. It keeps me motivated to continue spending as much time as, as I possibly can in learning about mountain whitetails. Well, Bronson, I think uh, I think you've been putting in the work and applying it, obviously, because those are two absolutely beautiful bucks that you killed in, in New York and PA. And and I really think everyone should go over and check check out those photos. Uh, East meets West Hunt on Instagram, East meets West Outdoors on Facebook. You can see them. Uh, just two, just stud mature whitetails uh, out of some public lands here in New York and Pennsylvania. If you want to send in your submission, send it over to Bo at Just send in a short paragraph of a, a successful hunt story from Mountain Whitetails and, or Big woods Whitetails, whatever. Send it in and a couple photos. Love reading those. Love getting to post them. Just get more and more coming in. And uh, I really enjoy getting to, to read them and then share them with everybody else. So thanks for everyone that's been continuing to submit them. Uh, the only news, I actually have a couple couple news things this week. I just got back from Total Archery Challenge in Colorado, so I'm actually up recording this intro late Monday night as it goes live early Tuesday morning, so I wasn't able to get that done before I left. So getting that done right now, uh, it was an awesome event out at the Sunlight Mountain Resort uh, just outside of Glenwood Springs, Colorado. My first Western Total Archery Challenge, and it was a freaking blast. It was a lot of fun. I was there at the, the Sick of Gear booth helping out. Trevor Stewart, who's on the bear hunt with, with me, he was there. Jeff Helm, who I, I recorded a podcast with about a month ago. That'll be coming out here soon. Um, I had Billy Van Ness, a whole bunch of guys that were there and got to hang out with um recorded a podcast with chris b he was there with his girlfriend caitlin moss and all of us just got to shoot together in the mornings so i got to shoot the event which was fun and uh yeah just a just a really cool event out west there and one thing i will say is uh for anybody that's thinking oh you know how how high was that or didn't weren't gonna you know die from altitude again (laughs) no i was fine and uh so we were shooting like it i don't know any it was some spots was like ninety five hundred feet i think up there and actually felt really good so that was uh that was good as anyone that knows that uh the altitude sickness that that i went through there a lot of that came from some underlying conditions that are all good to go now so that made me feel good my shooting uh i'd say i was i was shooting well but not perfect that's for sure. I, I definitely had some, some things to work on, um, some of my consistency in some of the shots, but, uh, it was also pretty intimidating to shoot with Chris, who is, you know, one of the best archers in the world, but he was super helpful and really good to, to shoot with and, and pushing, you know, me to be a, a better shot and, and a better bow hunter. So all in all awesome event, uh, highly recommend if you can go to any Total Archer Challenges to do so. I'll be in Big Sky, Montana at the end of this month uh, to shoot that event and be hanging out at the SICA booth again. So if anyone's going to be at that one, would love to be able to see you. I got to meet a lot of cool people in Colorado, some podcast listeners, and just some new people all around. Just great time. But uh, last thing I'll say is I finally got... Some more hats and stuff back in stock on the website. Um, I got a new hat, Mountain Bucks beanie, uh, that's that's online there. I got the Blaze Orange Mountain Bucks hats back in stock. As anybody knows that uh, last couple years, those sold out within a week or two. I did order a lot more this time, um, as many as I could order. Uh, I ordered them six months ago, just got them in. But those are live on the website now. Uh, some of the other ones that that have been out of stock since total archery challenge and PA got, you know, three or four of those different styles back in stock. Uh, the new deer camp sticker is out, which there'll be more coming in that line as I can start getting more product in, but really trying to, trying to get that, that online store, uh, in, you know, filled up again with product as I was basically out of just about everything here recently, but, but definitely got some stuff back in there. So go over and check that out. If you if you'd like and want to support the podcast that way with running some apparel uh would love that if not no worries either way but all right i've rambled on long enough here in this intro but i think you really enjoy this podcast with luke gunther and if you're getting ready we're only i don't know a month and a half out from you know some western hunting season starting a month if you're going to be hunting somewhere like nevada or utah early so it's uh really go time here to, to you know ramp it up with your your preparation and getting ready for it so i hope everyone has a great rest of your week and we will talk to you soon all right we're live luke gunther welcome to the podcast man thank you thank you It was awesome glad to be part of it yeah i uh it's it's funny i i th- think you and i first met at the total archery challenge event like five years ago
1: now do you we remember did. that? Yeah, we did for sure. Um that was our first uh tack that we went to. It was uh with my group of hunting buddies, uh the Bucks. And um we just said, hey, there's a big bow shoot out in Pennsylvania, let's go do it. And we loved it. We had a great time out there. But yeah, that's where we bumped into each other. And that's where you first started your podcast yeah. too, right?
0: Yeah, it was in yeah. 2018. I actually went was looking back at um, some photos. Um, cause I was like, I knew that I couldn't remember what year we ran into each other. And I went back and looked at some photos. I had my camera on the the gritty hike that we did that time and, uh, right. took, you were in some of the photos there and I was like, huh? I was like, that's, that's funny. That was where, where I originally yeah. met you at, but yeah,
1: yeah was, that was sure. funny. Did you, have you went back since then? I've, we went one more time after that. Okay. Um, and then schedules just got too busy and, Uh, we've been trying to figure out something we can do. Uh, my one buddy owns property up in upstate New York. And we're thinking about just each of us buying a target and going up there and setting up our own little shoe just in-house. But yeah, no, we, we were going to go to Vermont. Um, I think the year that COVID hit and it got canceled. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then from then on we're like, Hey, let's just try and set up our own thing. But
0: yeah, no, it's, it, uh, it's difficult to get a lot of people together um, with scheduling on anything. You know, I'm, I am was struggling with some of my buddies. That, you know, I'm going to be at uh, the time of recording this. It's like uh, about a week out from the Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs, and I'll be there. But, like, trying to get any of my buddies that, like, I hunt with or whatever to go is not not really panning out, but, uh, so I'll just be probably just sitting at the
1: booth most of the time and not doing, not doing a whole lot of shooting, unfortunately, but yeah. it'll be fun either way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you got, there's a couple of good groups of companies that go out there. You could probably link up and probably have yeah. a good time shooting with them too. So oh yeah, the relationships that you built over the past few years. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. There's always always great people there and it's
0: fun fun to shoot and uh, figure out what you need to work on uh pretty right, qu- pretty right. quickly on those some of those events and some of those shoots i guess
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah for sure but um so luke you are from new jersey and like i said you and i met up uh first time then and we were following each other on social media and you you are just kind of a, a diehard uh, Western hunter um, coming from New Jersey. I mean, you hunt a lot of whitetails too, but I would obviously noticed the the Western hunting stuff a lot and you've, you've been into it. So if you want to kind of just give a little background on who you are, you know, what you do for a living and just kind of what, what makes you tick a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, I live in North Jersey. I'm a police officer up at a city up there closer to New York City um also in the air guard down in south jersey um let's see i've been hunting my entire life mostly whitetail uh i used to go to the harrisburg show and they were always bugling in the background i'm like yeah i'd probably never get into that and then uh lo and behold my brother clint did a hunt out in colorado he got a a bull with our buddy that run, that uh lives out there and uh he's like hey let's go do this hunt this is back in 2016 actually it was years it was years prior because it took some preference points to draw that tag so we went out there it was 2016 me and my brother went out there met our buddy in uh Cotopaxi and uh went for a hunt nine days in the mountains didn't see or hear a single elk and I'm like man this sucks we didn't see any elk but I'm like this was my first time out west and i absolutely love it i'm like i'm doing this from every year i'm gonna figure out a way i'm gonna work overtime i'm gonna take extra jobs uh save up my vacation time to only use it in september and uh just take the month off and and go out there and and do what i can so i started doing the solo hunts and everything out starting in 2017 um and whatever i figure out i'm gonna do i just put a game plan together and and that's my plan for that september is to either go out and and go try and get another elk or mule deer or caribou or whatever that whatever hunt i plan
0: yeah and so when you first started going out there in in 2017 going solo like that's a that's a trip in its own like trying to figure that aspect of it out it's one thing to you know plan your first like DIY hunt, I guess, out West. And then to add in the whole solo aspect makes it that much
1: more difficult, I'm sure. Right. And people thought I was crazy for wanting to drive across the country by myself. And I'm like, hey, I have three weeks. I can take my time, figure it out. You know, we got pretty good technology now. Google Maps is uh, very helpful. Yeah. And it just, just set a destination and start driving. Yeah. so. Yeah. It makes it, it, makes it a lot. It makes
0: it simple. I know it's like, yeah, no matter where you want to go, just type, but put it in on the map or even drop the pin on the map and hit go. And uh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it helps you get around traffic It helps pick. Yeah. And a lot of route. trailheads don't have addresses. So dropping a pin and it brings you right to that trailhead. And you're like, man, this is great. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. No,
0: that, that definitely helps out a lot. And so where, where'd you say you went for the, the first year
1: when you went out there? So 2016, when we didn't get anything, uh, that was in Colorado. Um, and then my brother, I told my brother, I'm like, Hey, I'm coming out again. Uh, I'm going to do this every year. And he's like, Hey, well, if you're going to go to Montana, cause I was talking Montana. And he said, if you're going to go to Montana, I've been there before, go check out this one area. So, uh, I, that was my first time solo traveling out West. And, um, yeah, that was awesome. I actually got my first elk that that year too. Uh, it took 16 days, but I had the time to get it done. And, uh, yeah, that's when I got my first elk. What do you, what do you think? Uh, what were, what was the biggest challenges for you when
0: you started like getting into the the elk hunting game and the Western hunting thing? I mean, it sounds like you're a patient person. So, like, I mean, fact, you spent 16 days out there is, um, you know, until you killed your elk that year. But, like, what, what are some of the things that you felt like were, like, roadblocks, whether mental roadblocks or anything else that you didn't anticipate going into
1: it? Well, I know it, when I went out there in 2016, I didn't prepare myself at all. I was thinking, hey, I'm going with a buddy that lives out there go with my brother. He's got one before. I'm going to let him, they're going to get me an elk. Yeah. And that is the wrong mindset. Like it takes so much research and so much preparation physically and mentally equipment wise, um, looking at maps to actually be prepared for it. So, um, I think my biggest challenge that I see when I actually do it out there is the mental side of it. Um, cause you're going to fail every day. In the morning, in the evening, you're going to get close. Something's going to happen and the elk are not going to be there or they're going to spook out or you might not even find elk and you're just like, what the heck am I doing wrong? Yeah. And uh, I think that just comes with um, pushing yourself at home and making that pushing yourself physically to the point where your, your brain gets involved and um, teaching your brain that, hey, it's okay to be beat down keep on going yeah um or knowing your threshold and knowing that okay i've been back here for five days let me go take a night off get a hot shower get a hot meal sleep in a comfortable bed and then the next morning i'm gonna recharge and head right back out there so it's so definitely uh, i would say your mental um mental capacity and and, and how much you can withstand is, is was my weak point and still is at, at some point yeah. too so, Yeah. I think that's, that can be all of our weak points. I
0: mean, and the one thing that, that is nice. Like I started doing longer trips too. Like I would, um, when I was at my job and I would take two weeks of vacation and block it out. So like I could give myself that time because I learned that it's like, okay, say you have, you know, six days that you can hunt and you just go hard the whole time. Like it's, it's difficult. Like for me, I, I work better in like bursts, like, you know, like say four days of I'll go hard and then, yeah, maybe I need to sleep in a morning or do something or, you know, even go into town and find a laundromat that has a shower and, you know, freshen up a little bit, get a good meal, come back. And that's when I didn't start doing that until Idaho in 2019. And that was like, man, that's, really nice to, to be able to do that and give that mental reset because it is so difficult. And I feel like a lot of people that I talk to just around that go out West or whatever, you know, it's always like, Oh, this happened or this happened. and it, you know, it didn't work out. So we came home early cause we couldn't find elk or wh- whatever it was. And it's like, it's, it's so hard to get past that and be like, he's got to just one more, you know, one more step, each step at a time and trying to, trying to figure that out of what, uh, that it can happen at any time. It's just, you got to put yourself there and it's not going to be any easier. Even when you have more knowledge, it's
1: still going to be difficult every single year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I remember just, there's times where I'm texting my, one of my brothers or texting my buddy and I'm just like, dude, I'm, I'm drained. My body hurts. I can't get anything right. Um, I'm coming close. It just, it's not happening. And they're like, I'm like, I'm ready to come home. And they're like, Luke, you drove across the entire country. You spent the money already. You have plenty of time. Hang in there. It's going to come together. Yeah. And every day that you do fail, like you learn, okay, I did this one little thing wrong. I'm going to remember that next time. The next day you do something else wrong or it just doesn't work out. And you just make that mental note. And every day that you hunt, even though it seems like you're failing, 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 you're actually learning and learning and learning. Yeah. And when it all does come together, you're like, holy cow. Like everything's slow motion. It's always a blur. You always get in that tunnel vision. Yeah. And you're like, everything that I learned this past week, all just came together in this one moment and we made it work. And now the real work actually starts because we're, we're three miles back. You're by yourself and you're like, this is now it's really gonna hurt <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well,
0: and it's it's so true too like the, the the mindset that we had like when we i just when I just got back from Montana on this bear hunt was like we were not finding bears at all. It wasn't like all I knew about bear hunting was fine green, you know, fine green that's where they're supposed to be at, follow the snow line, like it seemed pretty black and white, well, it definitely wasn't, and like it was like all right, we got in this area, and there was still snow, and it was just melding, and things weren't green yet. And people are running the bears low in this thick timber. And it's like, okay, well that's not exactly what we expected. So, and we just kept hiking these different areas and, you know, we weren't finding anything. It's like, okay, all we did, we crossed that off. That's not an area where we're going to go. Now let's try this area. You just kind of, mm-hmm. you just keep, you know, bouncing through those things and figuring it out. And then, you know, and it's like, all right, well, we've had some nice days. So that, and a little bit of rain. So maybe this is going to green things up and, you know, and eventually it got better. It was just kind of withstanding that and learning as you, as you went to find those, those pockets or those things. And, you know, that's kind of what I've found with elk hunting. And, and it's, I think being by yourself makes that like 10 times harder because you don't have somebody else there if you have a good hunting partner that's gonna like you can boost each other yes. if you have someone that's extremely negative it's better to be by yourself but 100%, uh, like yes. I, I that's why i won't do these hunts with like unless i feel like i know somebody pretty well and i feel like that it's gonna like we can, we link up on that capacity and you can see, it's not just talk then, then, uh, then I'd be willing to hunt with somebody, but otherwise it's like, man, because if you have, you hunt with somebody that has a negative attitude or they see, ah, there's probably nothing over that Ridge, you know? So, you know, that's not a good, because eventually that wears off on you and it's not, you know, whether you notice it or not, eventually you start kind of getting into that same, same mindset.
1: Right. And eventually you start sleeping in and you're like, you know what, let's just pack it in. We're, you know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. Um, gotta be on the same page with your, with your hunting partner, if you're going to go out and, um, not only the mentally, but I think their preparation level too, Mm -hmm. you know, me and you, man, how many hours of podcasts have you listened to? Yeah. How many books have you read? How many YouTube videos? Like, I'm not talking, uh, like stuff you find on TV, YouTube videos. I mean, like the guys that are actually teaching you something on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, I know I, like, I, I subscribe to row hunting resources every year for three months, you get a, a subscription for 25 bucks. And he literally teaches you the biology of an elk, um, bulls, cows, calves, what each call sounds like, what each call means when to use each call, doorway concepts, different strategies of different scenarios. And every year I will subscribe to that and do a refresher course. And there's so much resources out there. But I mean, if you don't have a, a, a partner that doesn't put in a percentage of the time that you're putting in for preparation, you get out there and they're like, hey, I think I got this elk calling down and they're taking the call out of the package for the first time. And you're like, wait, weren't you supposed to start blowing on that thing like three months ago to get used to it <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of like puts a little damper right off the get-go but um yeah 100 percent. i think you got to find a, a partner that you guys are on the same page and is willing to put in the same effort at home and out there yeah you know, i love with certain people and but not everyone's built for the same types of hunts Mm
0: -hmm. no they're not and and even like like what you said about the the resource I'm glad you brought that up because like that's I feel like that separate like especially if you know us being at a disadvantage of living in the east in not being around you know growing up hunting elk our whole lives or doing anything like yeah I have you know I, I actually haven't um haven't used the the row hunting one yet i don't have to look into that one but i've used you know elk 101s or corey jacobson's course i've used dan state and zelk shape course i've used mark livesey's e-scouting course and like anything i and then podcasts and me interviewing people on podcasts and like anything i can get as far as more information i don't just stop and just do it one year and think i got it it's just like constant doing that constant. and then and then working on those things and you know and even people like um like I, i've been learning a ton from john barklow and just like the whole you know navigation side of it and preparedness and and being able to withstand those types of conditions and and trying to do every little thing that you can because even if you're not you don't you don't come out of it like you know you probably maybe soaked in 30 percent of what that was you know taught to you there if that but that's 30% more than you had before. And you might use a little of those pieces and start putting things, uh, the puzzle together, I guess, once you, you get out there and training. And you're obviously big into fitness and you're a certified uh, you know, trainer and big into that aspect and, and being able to prepare your body to withstand it and shooting your bow. And like, there's just, it's just an endless cycle of things you can do uh, to, to put yourself in a better place.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and like we were saying, you know, every year we're learning something new. And I, I totally remember that my first solo hunt, man, I I still had no idea what I was doing. Like we're figuring out on the fly. I'm sure you could, you could testify to that your first time at West, even with the group of people, you're like, all right, we, we did our research, but do we really know what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just winging it at this point, trying to figure it out. But Every year we go, we're learning more and more, even to the point where, like you mentioned, John Barclow, I, I watch a lot of his stuff, too, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, the layering system and and keeping yourself dry and warm when you need to. Yeah. Um, and, man, I can't tell you how many layers of different Sika gear or first light or whatever I bought and stuff I don't even use now because throughout those years i figured out i only need this 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 and this yeah i don't need the other stuff makes my pack lighter and i'm more just as if not more comfortable because i've honed in my layering system um and that comes with all the gear you know i remember it's 2017 i was still hunting out of my truck but i think one day one week i was like well let me take my backpack and stuff, whatever I could in it and hike back a mile to where I was seeing the elk the week before and try and do this backpack hunting thing. (laughs) It was not good. I mean, I, I, yeah, that's when I got my elk, but it was not fun. Like I did not have the right gear for it. And I'm like, well, this was like in a big picture, it was fun, but that instance, it was not, I knew I needed to prepare a lot more. Um, so honing in your gear is is a big thing too and you learn more as you go out there but you can definitely do that at home too go on hiking trips man we live in the appalachian mountains yeah the appalachian trail is right next to me um i've hiked almost the whole thing in jersey on one shot i at least did half of it in one shot um and during that time i was able to say okay I need this type of gear and this this much food. This is how I'm going to purify my water. You know, you start to practice those skills, and then when you get out west, you're like, "All right, now all I got to do is figure out how to get an elk, because everything else is I'm already used to doing."
0: Yeah, it it is funny. Like I, I was, my brother and I were talking about it on the ride back. So he rode back with me, and we're like we're like, yeah, think about like our trips in 2016, and 17, and we were backpacking in and what our packs weighed and stuff. So I remember I had oh, yeah. in yeah. 2017. <laughs> I remember that was like the worst, like 16 was bad, but I added gear in 17 for some reason, like I'm carrying like an ax, you know, I've got, I've got, right. you know, the the stove with my tent, which really didn't weigh that much, but I didn't really need it for September. But I was like, yeah, I want a stove, I'm gonna stay warm, I'm gonna do this. And I, I had a, a Kafara reckoning at the time. And it was, freaking packed full of stuff. Like I think I weighed it at like 82 pounds. Like once it had every- water and everything in it, just so much stuff. And now, like you said, like my layering system is dialed. Like I have exactly what I need, nothing that I don't. And I'm able to take that in. And, you know, and I had a you know, pair of socks for every single day and, or this, and I realized, Oh, I get away right. with a couple pair right. and just swap them every day and dry out the other pair. And like just little things that, you know, continually started to build that, that system and and you know figuring out you know even like I remember my first my first medical kit that I had was giant but I didn't know how to use anything in it and then I started you know learning how to use that stuff and taking some courses how to use it and that shrunk down I still have you know things that I need in it obviously I think that's super important but like I was able to dial that down and have it in a place where I know where it's at in my pack and understand how everything's laid out and it's just yeah you after a while you you kind of dial it in and i don't think it'll ever end it'll constantly be just a, a learning process and seeing what what works and what doesn't from the gear standpoint and and figure it out because you know i I remember watching um some of your posts back in was it 2000 what what year did you go to idaho i think the same year you did uh, it was 2018 2019.
1: 2019,
0: yeah, yes, 2019, yeah. I remember watching your post there. Like I, th- I don't remember if it was the same time I was out there. If it was like when I had, sir, cert- I don't remember. I remember seeing it, and like you were in some super rugged country, so like you feel every step and every ounce that you put in your pack. Like I remember, I used That's to joke like, oh, why, why, you know, a couple pounds doesn't matter. Well, it does matter when you're, do- you know, trying to, you know, do eight to fourteen miles in a day hiking up and down through those those mountains. Like that's no
1: joke. (laughs) Yeah, for real. And, you know, um that was actually my first like legit backpack hunt. The year before I was in Montana again with my oldest brother, um, we were we had an actual camp. We were camping at the trailhead and 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 hiking in for elk. We got close a number of times but didn't get anything done. But I really wanted to do the backpack hunting because I learned through those years the elk aren't where they're at have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may
0: johnny stewart and others available at all times well you can with cyber scout from spartan forge cyber scout is like the chat gpt for outdoors men and women you can ask it any questions related to bow building scouting hunting survival and a whole lot more i think you'll be impressed with how it responds CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at spartanforge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code East Meets West 10 you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories.
1: Go somewhere else. Yeah. Find some, find some new territory. Um, and in order to do that was to have a lightweight backpacking system. Forget the wall tents. Forget the grills. Forget the coolers full of meat. You're only you're only going to be hunting for two weeks. Just put up with the freeze dried food for for that bit of time. If you really want a meal, go into town and get yourself a burger and some beers, uh, which is nice to do after yeah. a couple couple of days back there. But um, yeah. So Idaho was my first actual uh, backpack hunt, and I remember the only time that we get to see these areas is on a map, an aerial. View on a map, and you might bring up the topo uh, filter, and you're like, "All right, you know that doesn't look too bad, man." When you're driving down the trail, and you get to that that part where you said you're going to start going in, and you look up at that mountain, you're like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Yeah, this is every time, <laughs> every single time. Like, I think it's so underestimated. If if you're not used to reading topo maps. Try and figure it out at home before you go out there and compare the map to the actual mountain that you're standing next to. Yeah. Because when you get out there, it's just you're like, yeah, this is gonna suck, but hey, that's where the elk are. Um and then and then being in that country too, I had no idea if there was water. So I had my a 10-liter bladder I was carrying. Well, that's probably Holy the heavy thing that was in my back. And that sucked. Fortunately, when I was about to run out of water, I found a spring up top. So I'm like, okay, well this sucks that I had to pack this all the way in, but at least I know I don't have to climb all the way down the mountain to my truck to get some water. Yeah. Or go to the stream and get some water. Um but yeah, that was that was a, that was rough. That was some rugged, rugged country for sure. Yeah, no, it looked like it. And and
0: and then you you ended up killing a bull on that trip, right? So tell me a little bit about that
1: that part of the hunt. Yeah, so uh so I bumped into while well, I was talking to uh some guys um man, I forget what his name is it, it, it was uh from the stickbook chronicles sorry, I forget what his name is, but <laughs> he he contacted me because I had said that I was going to Idaho and he lives out there, and um I told him the area that I was hunting, in and he was like, well, your little word of advice um delker up on top, okay so and which makes sense because there's no humans up top yeah I, think I ran into two local guys the entire week i was out there um up on top i ran into a ton of people in the valleys um but yeah so i i climbed in i got up to my first spot i set up my camp it starts hailing every night it hailed and then it stopped hailing i climb out of my tent and i'm surrounded by these free range sheep with big protective dogs that watch over their herd and everything. And I'm like, well, this sucks because I just liked, I was maybe only a mile and a half at that point. And uh, like, there ain't going to be any elk on this side of the mountain with these sheep are coming around here. So I packed away a little bit, set up my camp, slept for the night. And then I moved to the other side of the road and up on top of that mountain. Um, By the time I got up there, it was starting to get dark. And that's when I glassed up this herd of elk, uh, probably about a couple miles away At the next trailhead down. So the next morning I packed down, got my truck, drove to that trailhead, got in there. And that evening I couldn't sleep because there was just elk beuling all over the place. The next morning I got into them, followed, had the wind perfect, followed them for forever. Then they got too far ahead. I came back in the evening and I couldn't find them again. Um, which now lesson learned hey, if you're on elk, don't stop, keep going. Yeah, yeah. if they're not spooked, keep going after them. If you have the win in your favor, keep going after them. Don't assume that they're going to be in the same spot the next evening or that evening because they could be two miles away at that point. Um, which the next day and a half proved that they weren't there anymore. Um, So I think I gave it like five days back there. Yeah, it was five days. And I hit that mental roadblock. I'm like, man, my feet hurt. My knees hurt. My hips hurt. My back hurts. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I got to get out of here. Um, Hiked back to my truck, went to my friend's house in Boise, spent the night there. They had a big barbecue going on. Looking at the map all night long, I'm like, where do these elk go to? And... I just saw this little Canyon with a bunch of draws coming down with the North facing slope that looked like thick timber. And I'm like, they gotta be in there. So the next afternoon I'm packing in and sure enough, as soon as I get there, one fires off and I just see the whole herd coming off the dropping into that Canyon. And, uh, I ran up, tried to cut them off and they had gotten past me, but I had let a bugle go and the entire herd turned around and just started filtering filtering through at about between 30 and 40 yards. And it was like cow, 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 bull, spike, another bull, cow, cow. Like they weren't even fighting yet. They were just a a huge herd. And, uh, I finally, after I caught my breath and, uh, I was able to get a cow call out with how dry my mouth was to get a bull to stop on the window. And, uh, I pinwheeled them and, um, he he maybe went 30 yards straight up and, and dropped. So that was about 5 30 in the evening. And that was awesome. So uh yeah, I found him. He he didn't go 30, 40 yards. Um it was about 530, and I'm like, man, this is gonna be I was about three miles back at that point, and I'm like, this is gonna be a long night. Um so yeah, I broke him down. I got him down to camp, which is at the bottom of that ridge that I was on. Uh, at about one o'clock in the morning, I just put all the meat in some contractor bags and sunk it under the Creek that was there to keep it cold and the, to keep, uh, any scent from bears and stuff away. Um, slept next morning was just all day pack out back and forth and back and forth until until about five thirty at night. I finally got out the last load out to my truck and opened up oh. that bottle of whiskey. And I was like, yep, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: i could i have not packed out an elk solo like that like all all i've been very lucky that all of my western hunts i've had people there with me that were able to help with the pack out but i we were actually talking about this when we were packing out my bear we we're going down and it was me and my buddy and another guy we met there that was helping out too and and uh we're like man you know how like bad that sucks when you put that meat on your tailgate. And then you realize I got to go back up there oh. to get that, to get that next load. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, it's just, what's, what's good is that they got laws in place and I'm like, well, I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no saying no, I put myself in this position. I have to do it. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to hunt again. So, uh, <laughs> It sucks, man. I, I think I think I was out of commission for about three four weeks after that. Between my hips and my knees and my ankles were shot. Um, and with the night before, when I was breaking down that bowl, uh, I was I was deboning the last quarter, and it was dark out now. And so I look up and I'm scanning every once in a while in case there's bears or something moving in. And I did catch two sets of eyeballs staring at me, like probably about fifty yards away. And I'm like, I don't know what you are. I'm going to start talking really loudly to myself yeah. and finish finishes up. I put the back straps and the head and the neck meat and all the other scrap meat in my pack. And then I tied all the quarters to a fallen down little pine tree pole and started trying to bring it down away from the main carcass. Well, it was so steep that that pole was like pushing me down the mountain and trying to outrun me. So mm-hmm it 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 was just a terrible situation. finally, I got about a hundred yards away from the from the uh from the carcass ran in my pack down, emptied it, ran back up, stuck all four quarters in that pack and because it was so steep, I literally just had to lean forward and I was standing up so took the rest of it right down to the uh to the river. No problem all in one shot to get it get it out of there, but huh. yeah, that's another thing you got that you got to be careful. It was like man there's I'm not the only one out here that wants this meat. No. Um, yeah, that's but, that's uh,
0: another what do you think that do you think they were wolves that were looking at you?
1: Could have been. One hundred percent. Could have been wolves, could have been uh bears, mountain lions, could've been anything, but I don't know what they were. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like yeah, at that point, man, like, do I have any music? <laughs> do I have any music
0: downloaded on my phone that I could play yeah. really loud and then talk yeah. and yeah, I I think we've I think we've all been in those type of situations. Like, all right, I gotta uh be as loud as possible. I was actually just talking to my cousin. He's out in Montana and he just killed a bear last night and he was by himself and, um, it's in grizzly country and he'd seen a wolf and all this stuff. And he's packing out in the dark. He's like that. I've never been so alert in my life. Like just (laughs) during those situations. You can act like a man as much as you want and act like it doesn't bother you, but man, it's difficult.
1: (laughs) And I've been fortunate or maybe i just don't know but i have never seen a bear out there i've always wanted to i mean we have a ton of black bear by us but with yeah. grizzly i want to see grizzly never seen mountain lions never seen wolves and then this past year i just started sleeping under a tarp out there i'm like man i don't know how comfortable i feel about this open yeah. door right here with my head right <laughs> at the door for the first thing for a bear to grab um but i got used to it and i love it it's it's makes for such a lightweight gear especially for early season um huh. but yeah that was uh that was a little something i had to get used to because i'm like i know the bears are here i was hunting with uh aj dubay and um uh one other guy and uh they of course were in the tp with the stove and everything and he's like oh yeah there's bears everywhere here and there you could see paul marks and everything on the trees and i'm like yeah i'm the smart guy i brought the uh the tarp yeah to sleep in. But so
0: you, it worked out pretty good. You've had a positive experience with running the tarp then?
1: Yeah, man, I loved it. Uh, a lot lighter, packs a lot uh, smaller. I mean, it's smaller than a football, yeah. I would say. Um, and then as far as propping it up like a cocoon, so it's the Kafaro Super Tarp, mm-hmm. and uh, you can prop it up as a cocoon, just break off some sticks that are the right uh, length, and you can slip your. Your sleeping bag, your, your sleeping pad. I keep my pack and my bow in there. Um, of course I hang my food bag a little bit away from camp, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it fits all my gear in there and I've had it in the rain and everything stays dry and I'm very big fan of it, especially for getting rid of tent poles and a heavier tent for sure. Definitely saves on room too with the tarp. Yeah, no, that that is, that is nice.
0: I mean, I've kind of went like modular, like with that. So I've. I'm uh, using the Seek Outside Silex, so it's kind of like a tarp, but it, I have a nest inside it. So it's okay. it's still pretty li- – I mean, it still packs down to, like, next to nothing. I just haven't been able to, to fully go, like – Again, spaces on the side, head opening on it. Yet, um, yeah. I have I haven't got to that that point yet. My buddy that I was with, and when we were just in Montana, we packed in for just one of the days, and he just had a bivvy sack that he was sleeping in, um, which was interesting. I'd, I don't know. I'd feel probably claustrophobic in one of those, but the tarp I, seems the like something way. that 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 I'd be able to 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 utilize. I tried like a small tent. I think it was Nemo made. One that was like, I can't remember what the heck it was called, but it was super tight. And I just felt so claustrophobic in that thing, but like mm-hmm. a tarp, it weighs nothing and you can get more space, which I felt like that would be something I could, I, I could use more so than, than something
1: else. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I have the, uh, Kuyu, I think it's mountain star two person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have more room in this tarp than I do with that. Really? Um, yeah, the Mountain Star, like by the time it says, you know, they say it's two person, but I can with a sleeping pad. It's probably me and my pack in there. That's a comfortable space. Really? Um, I don't I bring my bow and I stick it in the annex just to keep it out of the weather. Um, but I I definitely have way more floor room for in the, in the tarp itself. Yeah. And it's level. And it compacts a lot more so i like it i mean if it, if it's going to be crappy weather i'll bring that tent with me too i'll leave in the truck if it's going to be crappy weather i'll bring the regular tent um or maybe if it's i guess it doesn't matter if it's cold because the tent's not going to keep me warm anyway no at, at the level that i'm at um so yeah really you bring your pump bag here, and your layering yeah. system is what's going to keep you warm yeah you know? Yeah. I've, I've,
0: I've come to like with my sleeping bag system, I just use a 30 degree bag and then I just wear my puffy gear inside it when it gets colder. I'm the same exact way. Yeah. It's yep. light and you already have the gear with you. Um, and that was actually something I learned from Barclow where he was talking about that. And, and it's like, okay, this is so nice. I can just wear my puffy gear and my layers in and then I get up and I'm not cold and I'm just yeah. I don't know. It just, it makes sense to me. I did that just in Montana again here last night it was like 12 degrees and we got like a foot and a half of snow and it was, I was good in that 30 degree bag with all my layers on and I just wrapped uh, an extra layer that I had around my feet. Cause that's like normally what gets cold in there. My yep. buddy had some down booties, which I think I may look into those if I'm going to do like some real cold weather stuff. Cause that seemed to be a pretty cool, option. The only only issue is disclaimers they don't fit in crocs really well. So if you're a okay. Cro- croc guy uh, around camp then that doesn't doesn't work out but
1: <laughs> I just started packing them in this year Did and I'll you? tell you the game changer. It is it's worth the way you... I'm packing them in every single time. Yep. Because to take off those boots after being in them all day and put on a crocs it's the best feeling. It you know it's 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 awesome. Yeah. Totally worth the weight. Definitely. I'll I'll tell you one
0: thing also that, that, um, which it's no, no secret, but for anybody new, that's getting into Western hunting Luco tape, which I learned that from Aaron Snyder years ago. And, and I, so I wrap some of it around, um, my tripod is like, and then I have a few little pieces inside my first aid kit and then Mm -hmm. I keep the big roll back at the truck. But like, I, I was feeling a hot spot, and I just kind of ignored it. And then all of a sudden I had this giant blister underneath my big toe. My socks had got bunched up there and I put that Leuco tape on. I was like a brand new guy, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I used to like go real preventative and like wrap like my whole feet like ahead of time. But now I just kind of wait until I feel something and then I, I get it out and put it on. But it really, I mean, the blister never busted. Like it was, it was
1: perfect. It's for sure great. I always have the, the rolls in my truck or in my pack. And uh I made a big rookie mistake this past year uh in Montana. So I left early, a couple of days early, and I went out and I visited my friends in Idaho and then I did some backpacking in Idaho and I'm like, oh well I got these new boots. Let me try and break them in here. No. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. I knew it was a I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyway. And uh, I bore some holes in the in the back of my heels, and to the point where I was deer hunting in Crocs for the month of October when I got back because I couldn't put my boots on. Really? So yeah, that's how bad it hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, tape. I was able to put um, some some nonstick pads with Neosporin on my heels, and then tape around it. And then also, like, I did the same thing. I I always get the hot spots on the outside of my big toe. I'll just wrap a thing of Lugo tape on it, and I'm good to go. So I was able to keep hunting after that. It it, it hurt a bit in the morning, but uh, once it got moving, I was able to get it done. Yeah, Um, that's good. Yeah, so make sure you break your boots in before you go out west. Don't try and bring in a new pair of boots. No, that's yeah, <laughs> Luckily, that, I had yeah. my backup boots too. We we all
0: do it. Like even even just like it wasn't a, as big of a deal. But last year, I got a new pair of boots, and I had my other boots for like five or six years. So like they were good. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna go out scouting for deer. And I did like a twelve mile day the first time I was doing it, and that was a bad a bad yeah. mistake to, to do that. Like break them in slowly, you know, wear them around the house, wear them out doing something, you know, just get some time in them before. And it wasn't the boots fault. The boots fit me good. It was just the fact that they were new and needed broken in. I mean, all boots need that. So it, uh, yeah, it was a, definitely a lesson learned. Like, I don't know. I I'll, I want to hear your input on this, but like for me, like going on a Western hunt, your boots, your pack and a layering system no matter what brand it is just like having a good layering system like those are like the big things for me that were like okay you need to have these and glass is probably close after after that depending on what type of hunting that you're doing but those were like the the key gear pieces what do you think yeah
1: i i definitely agree on that um and uh yeah, so boots because you're going to be hiking. You're packed because you're going to need to eventually, hopefully, be packing out a lot of weight. Um, and uh Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year, and I am pumped.
0: After playing around with the buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX 8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one it's the Ghostix 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, The integrated kickstand within the HBX exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stalk just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting, and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there.
1: Glass, for sure. I mean, everyone has a price point, too. Um, Like, we've probably built our arsenal over time. Yep. Um, I know I didn't have the best pack in the beginning. I know I didn't have the best boots in the beginning. And I sure as heck didn't have the best glass in the beginning. Um, But from narrowing down the systems and learning from experience, I was like, okay, you know what? I need a better backpack. I need a different layering system. I need, or I need to add this to my layering system. Um Or I need better boots or I need better glass. So what am I going to do on the off season? I'm going to bust my butt, work extra overtime, probably not have any days off. Um, Maybe sell some of my old gear, do whatever I can to build that up. Um, I'm a, I'm a proponent of buy once, cry once. Yep. I can't tell you how much money I've spent on cheaper stuff that either didn't last or didn't work where I could have just taken all that money together and and bought a nicer set of whatever. Um, No, you might not be able to afford it right away, but put in that extra work and the difference in comfort and the difference in quality is tenfold. If you, if you actually buy a quality item and it will help so much out out there.
0: Yeah. It's and like, like, I always think of it like with boots, it's like, okay, you know, a, a good set of boots, you know, could be $400. Um, yeah. but you know, if you bought a pair that's 150, that only makes it through one season and these other boots that I'm having last in five years, like it's, they pay for themselves. It's just in that upfront investment. That's difficult. And same thing with packs. Like the first year I went out, I found there was a big Memorial Day sale on Kuyu had on packs, and it was one they were discontinuing, like their Ultra 6000 pack or whatever it was. And both me and my cousin bought them for like 200 and some dollars that was on sale, like really good deal. And his main buckle broke on his hip belt right away.
1: I had a hole ripped in mine. I we, went probably, to hit since, up the, we probably hit up the same sale because I got the same pack too. <laughs> and I had did not have good luck with it. No. I was like,
0: nope. He he got his warranty. They did take care of him, and he's still using that pack somehow. And I I went through many iterations since, and mm-hmm. and and it's almost seemed like every other pack I've had since has been good. But I just I like I'm a gear guy, so I like messing around and trying different things, buying and selling and and everything else. But uh, it <laughs> it was a it was a learning a learning experience yeah. for me for sure. And 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 it's you know nothing. I mean I I think they make some, uh, good gear and everything, but it's just that, that pack was definitely not what, uh, what was needed for, for that situation. And you just learn, you just kind of go through. And and for me, it's like, I would rather have the tags and gear, but you'll learn pretty quickly that you'll figure out a way to make money to, to get more, (laughs) to get more gear over time. And, and, you know, building those things, you know, my first year when I had, I, I had started buying sick, you know, prior to even 2016. So I had some, had the base layers, had a pair of pants, had a little thing. And I had, you know, um, you know, maybe some, I think I had some like cheaper rain gear at first and some other things. I'm like, okay, this was, this is something I want to upgrade next year. And you just kind of slowly build your, you know, I had a, a pair of binos that I carried for deer hunting that were like this big, they were super small yeah. and like mm-hmm. you, it got um, like within brain. two hours yeah. of dark and you couldn't see through them. Like, you know, they were bad. And the, you know, then right. I'm like, okay. So I invested in a pair of mavens and then I started, you know, going down this whole list of things. And, you know, now my gear, I feel is dialed Then I'm just like, I'm really being picky and choosy on upgrading things when I probably don't even really need to, but it, uh, you you'll get it built up over time if you,
1: if you want it and you kind of want to prioritize it. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like, a, like you said too, I'm like, I'm not knocking any companies. Um, cool. You definitely like, I love their tent. That two person tent is a great tent. Uh, I know a lot of guys that use their clothing and they're big fans of their clothing, but I used that pack one year and I just it's been hanging on the wall ever since. Yeah. Um and, and just to upgrade too, like you said, I mean, I start out probably with a pair of Walmart, uh, nikons or bushnells that were probably forty dollars fifty dollars uh then i upgraded to a pair of vortex diamondbacks 250 bucks man awesome and i've been using them ever since i just upgraded to a pair of Suaros uh just now because watching certain youtube channels you kind of have to filter out uh different who's who's legit and who's not and a lot of those guys, you know, or, or a, lot of, a lot of times you see them, oh, they got their spotting scope up with the phone scope and they're, well, we just glassed this out five miles away or whatever. I'm like, all right, I got to get a spotting scope. Took the credit card and I bought a Swarovski spotting scope. I used it once. <laughs> I'm not packing it in. I don't need it. The type of honey, I'm more mobile. So yeah, I do like to get the vantage points, but nothing that I'm going to use a spotting scope for so i'm like okay well i already paid this off five years ago three four five years ago let me sell it and see if i can get a pair of used uh binoculars 10 by 42s sure enough i sold it for pretty much the same price that i bought it for and i just rolled that money right into a pair of binoculars and and it's just a matter of being able to manage your gear and manage your your time and you you can find work extra work to to try and get the gear you want but also don't get divorced or don't sell your house and try and buy <laughs> yeah. better gear. It, it will come in time. So Yeah.
0: And, and and the thing you just said about like buying and reselling, like when you do when you do end up investing in quality gear, if you don't like it, you can resell it. Like mm-hmm. you can resell. Like I've resold all my packs that I've had for good, good money in return, you know, and, and there's a lot of different creative ways that you can, you can do it and, uh, be able to pick up some different things, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. And like, for, for me, like the whole, like binos versus spotting scopes. I use my binos on a tripod when I'm glassing, I'd say 90% to 10% with the spotter. And I, I only carry the spotter when I'm doing something where i i really want to see a long ways like when i was caribou hunting i used the spotter quite a bit yeah. high country mule deer um i used it a little bit for bear hunting not as much as i actually didn't pack it the day that i found my bear i saw him two and a half miles away and i have a set of nine by 45s you know like so like you can cover with a wide field of view like that um on those binos uh a lot like i sure. if i were to like okay if i'm gonna invest either in a a really nice spotting scope or a really nice set of binoculars. I'm going to go binoculars all day first. Mm-hmm. And then if you decide that you want something different or want something more, then it's time to, to look at those other options.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, the binos just for my style of hunting, um, I haven't been on any hunts that a spotting scope would be more uh, beneficial to me. And yeah. I've just found that the the binoculars are I don't have a good tripod yet. That's actually what I worked overtime last month for to order a new tripod or a good tripod. Um, I'm just waiting for that money to come in the paycheck so I can order it. But uh, everyone that I've talked to said binoculars on a tripod is one of the best ways to go if you're going to be glassing from a high vantage point for a long period of time. Um, And just our styles of hunting, my style of hunting is the, the binoculars were 100% more beneficial yeah for sure so wait you, what um i'm curious to hear what tripod you
0: end up getting in your your uh experience with it once you get to use it because i've I bought like this Vanguard one back in two thousand and sixteen and and it's not bad, but it's a little heavy, and the head on it is so terrible like you have to like break it like when you're running like your vinos to get it to move, and then it's slopping all over the place and I just like i just don't i haven't put enough research in, and I feel like there's so many different options i haven't
1: figured out exactly what what I want to do with that yet yeah I was um I was looking around for a bunch of them um, and I was running a one from Best Buy, like the $40 Suncrest, whatever one. Okay. Yeah. just save money and buy a better, better one. (laughs) Um, So I was looking at the outdoorsman um, with the Minfredo heads and, uh, and then I actually used a two vets tripod um, out in Texas and it was awesome. Uh, from using a spotter on it uh to having guys shooting off of it. And they make a a nice lighter weight ones. They make different models to make lighter weight ones uh more compact, but they're super sturdy. And uh that's the one I'm gonna order. As far as the head goes, I've been looking at the Spartan Precision stuff. Um because they have the attachments. So like I do photography too and I that's what I'll use a tripod with also. And um yeah, I have an attachment I could screw into the bottom of my camera and quick, de- quick attach it to the, the head also and use it for shoots. So that's the stuff I'm going to, I'm going to start out with and, and see if I, I like it, you know, if whether I want to change the head or whether I want to change the tripod or, um, get the experience and i'll keep it keep it posted on it yeah
0: no i'm 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 really interested in that that's like that's one of the pieces of gear for the last three years i've had written down of like looking to upgrade and then it gets too close to hunting season by the time i think about it again and i'm like uh, i don't know i'm just gonna use use this one again and like i said it's not terrible but it's uh I think I got it on camo fire like in 2016 yeah. for like 90 bucks or something. It's normally like $140 tripod. So it's not terrible by any means, but it's, um, then I started looking at the good ones and the prices of them. I'm like, Holy cow. Like this is, but one one thing I want to bring up to everybody that you said, you're waiting for the money to hit your paycheck to buy it instead of just buying it without having money. <laughs> like, so that's, yeah, that's,
1: yeah. That's, Don't that's, uh, put it on the credit card. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah yeah if you put on a credit card and you tell yourself oh i'll pay it off once i get that paycheck it it never happens yeah everyone knows they're they're the same way oh okay i'll pay a little bit off but you see that paycheck in your bank account and you're like oh this is nice now i can get this instead and you never pay it off wait till you have the money don't put yourself in debt for sure um yeah yeah i I mean and and i i
0: talk about like the financial aspect a lot on here but it's like so even for me like I think it's about every six months I review like all the list of things I'm spending money on, like on a monthly basis, whether it's just like, you know, the, the typical, your Netflixes and Hulu's and all those different things. But there's like, you start adding up all these things at the time. You're like, Oh, five bucks a month. Yeah, I'll take that. And then you look at it and you're like, okay, if I cut, you know, two of these things out and I free up this amount Well, in X amount of months, there's my tripod or whatever it might be. And you can, you, there's, there's so many different ways that even if you're like, Oh, I already have a job that for whatever reason, and I've got child support to, three different mothers, like whatever it is, like it, uh, you, you can figure out different ways to,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. To be able to do it. <laughs> but uh, it does help being, uh, not married and no kids. That's for sure. Yeah. But e- even with a family that I know guys that they get it done. Um, and, and it's just about, all right. So you don't exactly have to go out to dinner that night. You know, that's, there's another hundred bucks that you didn't spend. Uh, you don't have to go and, buy that 30 pack for the, for the weekend when you're going to be shooting bows with the boys, you know, that's another 25 to $40 a weekend. Yeah. Um, just get a cheap get prices. a cheap
0: bottle of BV suck it down. You'll be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man. Yeah. There's so, there's so many different ways that you can just cut out different expenses and, and, and save for this stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: No, that's, that's cool. I, I'm pumped to, you know, to see, cause I felt like you and I were kind of on the same journey at the same time, like getting into this thing. And you've seemed to really hit the, hit the ground running with it and, and doing some of these hunts. The last thing I wanted to, to ask you about is what generated our conversation again was about the whole traveling, like flying versus driving and your thoughts yeah. on like, when you go on these hunts, how do you look at the whole traveling aspect of it?
1: So, uh. If there's any chance, 100% of the time, I want to to drive. Uh, The biggest thing that will stop me from driving is a time crunch or the actual distance. So um, I like to drive because I can have all my gear that I need, easily accessible. I don't have to pay extra for any baggage. Um, If I need to add gear while I'm out there, I can buy it and throw it in and not have to worry about trying to ship it home or get it home it's all right there. Um also you have your coolers, pack all your meat in once you once you get your animal and you can take care of it yourself as you're traveling home. Uh so yeah, that's 100% I'd, I would rather drive. Uh, another thing too is like I like the road trip. I like driving out there. As soon as I get on New Jersey, it's like my stress level drops, my heart rate drops. <laughs> and, it's just smooth sailing all the way out there and you get to you can if you have the time you could take detours and check out the national parks the historic sites all this stuff that's out there to see if you just want to go on a, a overnight backpack hike to maybe try and break in your new boots uh, you, can, <laughs> you can do that somewhere um there's just so much to see out west that when i was younger i didn't i thought that it, I, we lived in a bubble in New Jersey, and I didn't think I was ever able going to be able to get out there. And now that I'm living it, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I want to see everything. So driving gives you that opportunity to, to run at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I have flown before. I flew to Texas. Uh, not Texas. Well, yeah, I did fly to Texas. But I first flew to Alaska, um, which was my first time with, with the hunting gear and doing it. It was... A little bit to get used to to it i was definitely worried that they were going to lose my bow on the way out there um but everything did get there okay um i think the biggest thing was then trying to figure out how to tote all the coolers and everything in the ha- airport on the way home um that on the way home they did i got an empty cooler when i landed back in newark and uh i made the claim and they were like well, what was in it?" i'm like half my caribou meat They're like oh well how much, how much was that worth? And I'm like, priceless. Priceless. Yeah. I'm like, well, I spent this much for the hunt and it had this much pounds of meat. So per pound, maybe a hundred dollars per pound and you lost however many pounds. So I guess it's going to be that much money. They're like, Oh, okay. Well they put in the claim and they figured they found out it had fallen off the carriage in Seattle. And instead of putting the meat back in the cooler, they just put the empty cooler on the carriage and took off, oh. but they were able to salvage the meat. They threw it in a freezer at the airport. And then once I gave them my address, they shipped it to me. Really? Um, yeah. So that was very fortunate and very lucky. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but uh, so you flew it, with coolers just, up there. No. So I have friends that live there and they actually snowbird from Alaska to New Jersey for the winter time. And um they were like, just take these home with you. We're gonna be down there in a month anyway, and we'll okay. just take them back with us or or we'll figure out a way. So it wasn't like there were high end coolers or anything. Yeah. It was just like, like the igloos, you know. Yeah. Um but you freeze that meat and anything, you're only traveling, you're traveling for less than twenty-four hours. Yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be fine. Um yeah, I mean my meat was fine and I had it
0: in a box. Like I had it in um uh like a fish box that they have up there in Alaska and in the mm-hmm. hotel we stayed at the last night we came out was had a freezer in it. So we were able to walk in freezer, store our meat in there, freeze it solid and then just have everything wrapped up inside with like plastic wraps so blood wasn't running out and freaking out Right. TSA yeah. and like and like and just duct tape the hell out of it and then uh shipped it back and yeah my meat was my meat was fine doing it that way so i got it yeah because like i said it wasn't wasn't uh even though coming from alaska it's a long ways but in reality it was still less than 24 hours
1: from this time that it was out of the the cooler there so yeah and i noticed these coolers today they're awesome and my first time traveling back with meat, driving i was like i gotta get home i gotta get home i gotta get this meat cold or stay cold even though i'd frozen it i packaged it frozen it solid put it in the cooler i didn't know how good these coolers were i get home and i had to leave that cooler op- with the lid open in my garage for almost a week before it all thawed out and i actually finished processing it <laughs> um, so now i'm like okay well i can do some sightseeing on the way home now uh if the coolers you know it's gonna hang on to it and you just keep keep an eye on it and you'll be totally fine um Yeah, yeah. my second time flying was to Texas uh, this past year, and uh, I just had my bow case, my frame pack with my gear in it, and then I I went to Walmart when I landed. I bought a small cooler when we killed. It was big enough to fit all the meat in there and maybe even some of my other gear that I wanted in there to protect it, and that was my third check bag for the way home. And it worked out perfectly fine, so I didn't have any problems on that one, so did you like did you take your pack full of gear and you checked it then like just yes. okay, and no damage so to bow. it or anything no, yeah, so I have my bow case, and um I have my bow in there, obviously, I don't put the broadheads on the arrows and click them up into the top because if they can rattle loose and they touch one of your strings your string explodes and so don't do that just keep it keep your arrows empty um i take my broadheads and my field points and i stick them in a plastic little fishing container or something and i wrap it in some underwear or some other clothing and i stick it in the bottom um okay and then i pack all my clothes and stuff around my bow just for a little extra cushioning in there um, then in my frame pack, I'll have probably my sleeping bag, my food, um, any extra, my tent, you know, any extra little gear that I can. And what you can do is when you get to the TSA to check it in, get one of the baby carriage plastic bags, stick it in that. And then that, that way, none of the straps will get yanked out from the conveyor belts or whatnot. In the oh. airport. And it keeps everything tight and in case of something might fall out, um, it'll still stay contained in that plastic baby carriage bag or stroller bag.
0: That's a good idea. I've not heard of that. And that's why I've always like, I've always emptied my gear out of my backpack and put them in like a, like a, a a bag of some sort. And then just use my backpack as like a carry on um, because I was worried about straps and everything else. But that's, that's a salt. I like that idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll have a, a smaller carry on, which I'll have my, uh, snacks a book um camera gear anything that you don't want on to lose. my camera gear, i i, I carry that yeah because i don't want that to get tossed around or or lost oh. or something like that so and then for bow for the most part i don't think you have to have a lock in all the holes but i do anyway just for i just keep people out of it who knows what's gonna when it's gonna happen so and then you know another thing with flying is if you don't have a a local friend in the area or someone's going to pick you up then you got to rent a vehicle and that adds on another expense. And um, it's really comes out to, in my experience, flying, renting a vehicle, and then the gas prices just drive your vehicle out there are maybe about the same um, depending on how long you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going for three weeks out in Montana, 100%, my truck, if I'm camping, I'm not spending money on gas. So it's, it's way more affordable as opposed to renting a car for that three weeks. Um, It's that that'll probably cost just as much as the gas driving out there. And then you got to pay for your airfare, your checked luggage and all that stuff. So, you know, yeah, and there is – there's is, there's one
0: way that my buddy did on this Montana hunt that was better um, for flying was for, – for running a car is there's an app called Toro now, which is like the Airbnb for for rental vehicles. And, like, okay. you can choose the vehicle that you're getting. So he got, like, a Subaru Outback that had some off-road tires on it, you know, and so you can get back into some of these places. Because running a car, unless you get, like, an SUV or something, sometimes you can't even get back to the trailhead's. Where like, right. I know like my truck, I'm comfortable with it and everything, but yeah, gas definitely wasn't cheap, but airfare is not cheap right now either. So it's kind of, right. it, it washes out. I mean, it, it, cost me driving back 700 and I can't remember 700 or right over $700 just driving back and then. Then when you have, I don't even know if I have an easy pass, I'm not sure what the tolls ended up being, but it it was a lot more expensive. So you double that, you're looking at $1,400 in gas just to, you know, drive from right. Pennsylvania to Montana. And that does suck. But air, so airplane tickets were like, and I wasn't, I just looked at it just, just for comparison. I wasn't actually going to do it because I was out there for two weeks, but you look at, or no, I was only out there for a little over a week, but if you look at, say, $900 to fly from Pittsburgh out to Bozeman or wherever else you're going to fly out there, and then then you got to rent a car, and you're looking, just say, for easy numbers, $100 a day, adding on that, plus the gas, mm-hmm. plus the insurance or whatever else you need on that, and it's just, I don't know, I just can't, and I like having my gear, I like knowing where my shit is in my truck, I Absolutely. can have backup stuff in my truck that you don't need to stuff in your pack, but it's there, and I've, o- I've only flown, I've flown twice, I've flown with my gun to Alaska, which I'll, rec- I'll say to anybody, um, I've heard about, you know, packing a lot of gear around your gun, and that can be fine, but don't stuff it so bad, like, I took the foam basically out of my case, and just stuffed all my clothing around it, to the point where it was so hard to open and close, like, that the TSA guy couldn't get my gun case closed again and i was asking if i could do it because i was worried about him like you know i'm trying to, and he's you know trying to hold me back and i'm like no don't like don't don't fuck with it here man like come on
1: yeah
0: yeah (laughs) i was i was concerned but um so I, I would, I'd still do some of that, but maybe not to the capacity that I had that thing stuffed. I had mine like, cause it was like over 50 pounds was overweight. So my, my bags were like 49.8. Like I had them things dialed down to like know yeah. exactly what was in there to save, save money on it. And then I flew to Alberta for a deer hunt with my bow and that wasn't, well, the bow wasn't as bad, um, as far as TSA and stuff, but in canada they do consider a bow as a weapon um so like when they had to like do your do your thing when you go into canada as far as what you're bringing in i didn't put that i had bow wasn't on their list it was like rifle and like other things i'm like oh that's not on that's not on the list well they do consider it and they do get upset if you don't check that box so make sure you do that (laughs) i've never
1: been there but it's definitely on the bucket list to do something in canada
0: yeah Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's, it's a learning experience anywhere. And, and when you are traveling, like whether you're driving or whether you're flying, like you need to have that mindset that things are going to go wrong and you can't let it bother you in, right. and try to have some extra money aside that you're not, you know, flipping out about it. Cause like when you come back from Alaska and we got out early and had changed my plane tickets and they wanted to charge me, you know, and completely other plane ticket to get back and it was just a mess and I had to spend a lot of extra money. And you know, at first I was like, holy cow, like this is difficult um to to swallow, but that's it is what it is. Like you have to acknowledge that sometime that's gonna be the
1: case. So Right. Yeah, and you know, I look at it too is you the tags aren't aren't they're not cheap for non residents and even now they're few and far between. Like I put in for Montana this year, I didn't draw. Uh, I was just checking out Idaho to see if there was anything left over. There's nothing left over in Idaho. And so I don't know if I don't go to Alaska this year, I'm waiting to hear back from, um, from work here, actually see what my schedule's like. Um, but if I don't go to Alaska, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to figure out some other sort of type of hunt. Um, whether it might be access deer in Texas or maybe something in Wyoming, I'm not sure, but you know, you spend Montana's over a thousand dollars for, for a non-resident tag and for a 10% chance at filling that non-resident tag. So it's like, Hey, you're already spending the money on the tag. Um, Save up a little bit more, expect to spend that money on gas. So I remember first traveling out there I was saving all my receipts. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to add up and see how much money I spent on the gas. Well, I never do it. I never add it up. Cause I know it's probably a lot more and I'd rather not know that I spent that money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's a necessary expense for the experience that we, that we ultimately try to get. And, uh, just kind of got to add it budget into your, your whole trip that you're planning out there. You know?
0: Yep. And, and that's, you know, and, and I, I try to do like with these hunts, like, same thing like try not to worry so much about the money as as i'm like i came back and you know my yard's like my grass super high i was cutting it and i have this old shitty mower and the belt you know broke on it yesterday and run down trying to replace it i'm like i really could use a new mower i mean this thing's old and everything's falling apart on it but i'm like got to keep that money for these tags, you know, Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, sure. yeah some trade-offs with it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not all
1: glory, but <laughs> yeah, you, you brought up a good point about, you know, just being prepared for the traveling and, and anything that goes wrong. And I actually never looked at it that way. Like I always did in the back of my mind, but I mean, yeah, what if, what if a, a, my alternator blue or my radiator blue, man, I'd be stuck somewhere where I'd have to pay for a tow truck have to pay for the repairs, probably have to pay for a hotel room if the guy didn't let me sleep in my tent in his garage Yeah. Uh, while he's fixing my truck. Uh, they know it's an emergency. Who knows what kind of upcharge they're going to put on it to get it, to put the rest of their work aside so you can get going. You know, that's, that could turn into a, a pricey factor, um, which, I mean, there's, there's positive negatives about both flying and, and driving because you can get stranded somewhere for, two days and then that's cutting into your hunting time with a flight, you know? Um, So it's just kind of being able to outweigh the balance and um, have a game plan for anything to go wrong. And when something does go wrong, don't let it cloud your judgment, but take a deep breath and be like, all right, this is what's happening. How can I fix it? Um, You brought back, you brought up John Barco earlier and just his whole, survival um mindset and the field craft that you can learn from him you know i try to a lot of this a lot of the stuff that when you're out there is kind of you can turn it up to common sense um but there's so much that you can learn from them about just shelters and fires and water purification stuff to keep yourself dry and man the land nav i just started diving into that because i'm like i know one time my phone is going to die Or break or something. I'm gonna be left out there in the middle of nowhere and need to figure out how to get back. So I'd started diving into that a lot lately. Um, Yep. Yeah, there's just so much to prepare for and just make sure that when you go out there, you're you're comfortable. But that that a lot of times comes with just experience and yeah. being uncomfortable at different times.
0: It, it, that's that the land nav thing is something I want to learn better. Like my brother knows it really well. Some of the th- some of the training he had in the military and he was doing a lot of the different land nav stuff without using, you know, a phone or a GPS or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and my buddy, I was hunting with same thing. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to learn more of that. that that's going to be a focus of mine. But like, I try to have like even contingencies with that. Like you have your phone and, you know, so I have, so, I'll have the Spartan Forge app on there. I have my maps downloaded offline. Okay. What if your phone dies? Or what happens when you get in cold weather is your battery just dies really quick. And if you yeah. not if your backup charger is already out, whatever. Well, then I have my watch. So, I have a Garmin watch that has maps on it. It's not, it's not big to be able to really see, but I always mark the home position that I can, like where my truck's at or where my camp's mm-hmm. at to be able to have a backup. Then in reach is, you know, and they use the, they have multiple different facets there but trying to like have these backup situations so that if you do get in those situations it doesn't add a whole bunch of stress that you have plans in place to to be able to figure it out because it can it can turn into it can turn into something like my my worst nightmare is like a, a situation with my truck, you know, way back in somewhere. Right. But that's like, yeah, I have not yeah. not done what had any yep. issues there yet, but I can
1: see that you snap being... an axle in the trails or something. And you're like, crap, this is going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and you, and it, you really do got to think about it. It's um, yeah, it's, it's something completely uh, something completely different, but. It is what it is. And uh, it's part of the adventure, I guess. Absolutely. Chalk it up to that. And um, I'm, yeah, it's taken me a while to to figure out. Kyle Hansen from Outdoors International, who I booked the caribou hunt with, was like the one that told me about, he goes, You're going to Alaska, things are going to happen. Weather delays, this kind of stuff. He's like, You just got to not let it ruin your experience. And like, it takes some, like, uh, you really have to remind yourself a lot when you get into certain situations to, to do that because it can, it can put a damper on things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm sure it looked like you guys had a good group of guys Like you got your we're going back to the whole partners. Yeah. Uh, you guys had a good group of guys in Alaska and same with, with my group, you know, I was hunting with, uh, my buddies that live out there in Fairbanks and, um, luckily we tagged out. I mean, we got dropped off couldn't hunt on the first day. The next two days we tagged out. Well, the pilot couldn't come to the following day. Just so happened that following day fog rolled in. We were stuck there mm-hmm. and we could not see 50 yards from outside our tent. Like it was that thick. So we couldn't even go and explore and pick up sheds and find some cool stuff to photograph or fish or pan for gold, whatever the heck we wanted to do. Um, because it was, we would never have been able to find our tents if we left, yeah. left the little knob we were on. Um, but man, we hung out in the tent. We swapped stories. We played, we made a deck of cards out of some paper and a pen, <laughs> Like figured it out. And then, you know, the guy was able to come in and pick us up on day six or something like that. Day seven dodging thunderstorms to come in and get us. And, uh, but, Okay, it sucked a little bit, but that was an experience I will never forget. Yeah, and it was it was awesome going through it. Um, and you, like you said, you learn a lot from from those unfortunate circumstances. But as long as you're prepared for it or think ahead of time, then it shouldn't be too much of an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Yep. I. I totally agree
0: with that and and yeah make the best of it and and embrace it because there's not too many times in your regular life that you'll have the time to make a deck of cards and sit there and right yeah it's i i couldn't couldn't agree more with that um or download some audiobooks and headphones if you can't stand your your hunting partner after too long so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yep. Anyways, well, Luke, thank you for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. If uh, if you would, do you want to let everyone know where they can follow along with some of your stuff, your photography page, your regular page on Instagram or whatever else you would like uh, people to check out?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, so my profile is Luke Gunther, just L-U-K-E-G-U-N-T-H-E-R and then i do have a photography page also uh, it's lucas gunther photography um the lucas is with a c not a k uh i don't do much, much hunting stuff on there that's mostly i just keep my photography and my hunting separate but yeah that's where you can i have that's where i do most of my activity and where uh, you can find me more often awesome. on instagram yeah cool
0: well again thank you for coming on and uh you know taking the time out of your day here so greatly appreciate it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, to swapping more stories with you after this hunting season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And, uh, definitely learned a lot and we're probably going to keep learning from each other. Yep, so 100%. appreciate it. Yeah. It was a great time. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, man. All right. Thanks.